Hey, industrial marketing friends from Gorilla76, the industrial marketing agency. This is the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. We are your hosts, Brendan and Aaron. We've both worked as in-house industrial marketers prior to coming to Gorilla76. And now that we've been on the agency side for a couple of years, we've learned a lot that we wish we could go back and apply when we are in-house. Today, we're covering some of our biggest aha moments from the past couple of years working in an agency and how we would apply them as an in-house marketer. So Aaron, I'd love to hear what your first big aha moment was, you know, as you transitioned into agency life. Yeah, I think one of the biggest differences between being an in-house marketer and then working for an agency is just how you do your work. Um, so my first aha moment was like process improvement within marketing. Because I remember when I was in-house, like you're a marketer, but you also kind of have to be a project manager and keep all your work on track. You have a lot of different like things moving at the same time. But when you're in an agency, you kind of have to have set processes to make the business profitable, right? Because you're right. a service-based business. Um, you can't constantly be reinventing the wheel. Otherwise, your your work's just bloated and you're spending too much time on everything. Or so, you charge the customer too much money, right? Like, yeah. Like, is there really value there in like me having to recreate the wheel all the time? Which there's not really, I don't think. Like, I think having a no. company that has like when you hire a cleaner, right? Like having them know how to clean the house with a set process makes them go faster, makes them clean better. So I think as an, you know, as a marketer in an agency, if you have a set process, you can work faster and work more efficiently to drive higher results in a shorter amount of time, which to me is more valuable. Mm -hmm. And in-house, you know, it, things could be pretty nebulous. Like, I don't know what it was like for you, but you're you're trying a lot of new stuff at once or it can feel like that. Um, and just because like in an agency, there's like kind of a dollar amount put on your time. You don't necessarily have that in in-house, um, unless you're, you know, an hourly employee, um, or you're like a contractor of some kind, but, um, it makes it harder to like be really judicious about your time and how you actually complete your work. So one thing I would do if I were to go back and be an in-house marketer again, that I've learned is like, it's really important to focus on improving a specific process, um, and not investing too much upfront and overhead. Like for example, if you want to start doing paid social, like focus on a really manageable campaign and develop a process and then scale it out. Like don't launch eight campaigns that are all vastly different. Yeah. Um, find a good like process for doing that activity and then scale from there. It mm -hmm. would make life so much easier. Yeah. And I think I think tied to process improvement is just like accountability when you're in-house, there's not a lot of accountability because like, oh, we have the marketer and they're like, they're working on these projects. And I think it's a lot easier to kind of like not get stuff done. And like, no one's going to, no one's checking your work. No one really knows what you're doing. It's a different story in the agency world. So I'm not saying I wasn't accountable when I was in-house, but like, I think as a marketer, like you have to give yourself some internal accountabilities, like set your goals, like create a marketing plan that you're going to follow for yourself. Um, I think those kind of go into like creating that process at the same time. Instead of, and, it, it, to, and I guess maybe to that point, maybe my aha moment is like how important the marketing plan is, right? Because we are tied to a dollar amount and a specific time for our clients and having a really solid plan helps us to align the expectations of the client with the capacity of our internal creative teams. 
right? So I don't want to make, I want to make sure we're delivering enough value for the client for them to achieve business results. But I also don't want to create a lot of extra work for my creative teams just to satisfy some like curiosity that I have. So having a really solid plan at the beginning tied with processes helps to keep you accountable and helps you to actually create a plan that is going to drive results instead of, you know, kind of shooting from the hip and like, oh, let's do try email this month. And then next month, let's do paid social campaigns. Oh, wait, that's not working. Let's go to, back to trade shows or events, right? Like it keeps you on a time horizon for executing things over a set period of time. So you know if it's working or not. Yeah. And I think with that too, like a lot of what makes it hard to have accountability as an in-house marketer um, is you have a lot of competing requests for your time, right? Like you could have your priorities of like, this is what I think is most important, what's going to drive revenue. But you could also have like sales asking you to design flyers or leadership asking you like, oh, can we go to the show? And it's like two months away, you know, like there's lots of things that can kind of put you off track if you don't have like this agreed upon marketing plan that like leadership is also bought into. That gives you something to point back to like, hey, this request like would love to do that. I can see why we want to, you know produce this sales material, but like, it's not part of our plan to work towards revenue. Like I can't prioritize it. Right. And going back to your point with process improvement, right? Like if you get to the point where you know how long it takes you to launch a marketing campaign on paid social, then you can start figuring out like what time blocks do I have available that are free that I could take some of these extra requests, right? Because I think as an in-house marketer, you still want to be available and like do things ad hoc sometimes. And I think it's smart to leave some room in the plan for some some extra things to happen. Um, but you can't do that if you don't know how long it takes you to do the other things that there are in marketing. Mm-hmm. Having a really solid process with a really solid plan really helps you to nail down your time commitments and just keeps you on track. And it gives you something to report back to, you know, to the leadership or to your boss or whatever. Yeah. And um like a major difference between agency and in-house is an agency, like you're budgeting for actual costs, like ad spend in the platform, but you're also budgeting for like hours, like time spent by the team. And that's something I never budgeted for when I was an in-house marketer. And that's something that probably would have helped a lot is just like trying to be aware of what resources do I have um, and how much can I feasibly accomplish um, with a 40 hour work week. Right. It's really a little side note here. It's really funny that we have a hard time with that as marketers in the industrial space when basically everybody else in a manufacturing company knows how to do that. Right? Like when you talk about like production or assembly, like they know how many things they can assemble in an hour, right? Or like yeah. engineers know like, you know, I have this amount of time budgeted towards this project this week. I don't know why marketers have such a hard time doing that. Maybe it's like just not a part of our DNA and it's not like I didn't learn how to do any of that stuff at school. That's like, man, if you're going about ready to go to school, like university, and you're thinking about marketing, maybe pick a different, maybe pick a different degree. Cause I don't know how much I actually learned about doing my real job uh at school. Maybe a little bit, but not much. Like not well, like you know, do project stuff like that. Yeah. That that could be a whole other episode. It could um, be. If you're a college student right now, I hope Brendan didn't send you into an existential crisis right there. But there's other things I think college students have for existential crises, but probably not this. But maybe think about it if you aren't in a degree program yet. Anyways, there's probably not a lot of college kids listening to this podcast anyways. 
Um, okay. Uh, the next big aha moment I had, uh, and, th- and this one's been huge, and I've like across a ton of different accounts here at Gorilla and a lot of different campaigns. It's just like how important it is to talk, record, and analyze the customer interviews that you have. Um, you know, especially with us, like we are not subject matter experts on our clients' businesses. I mean, we, I think for some clients we get close, but we're never going to be like that person. And so, and like, we're not having a ton of like, you know, just random, you know, phone calls or meetings with, with customers really. Um, but for us to do good marketing, we do need to schedule in time for our content team to do customer interviews and then for the strategy and the other departments in Gorilla that work on a client account to analyze those customer interviews and like just get a really good feel on who we're trying to market to. And I think when I was in-house, I probably took some of that for granted, right? Like I go on a customer visit, you know, go like see a herring pickling factory. It's like, okay, well, I wish I would have probably spent more time like asking certain questions and like preparing questions and maybe recording some of that or at least writing down answers afterwards instead of like trying to like think the next business day, like, well, what did I have that conversation with that guy about? Um, But, you know, when you're in-house, you think, well, I'm just gonna have another conversation with another customer probably tomorrow. Or, you know, me and the sales team have an upcoming meeting. I can just ask them about like what they're they're learning. Um, I think if you spend a little more time and be a little more deliberate on how you conduct those customer questions and discussions, I think it's gonna drive a lot of really strong results for you and your marketing. So I just wish I'd go back and like just be more deliberate about, you know, really trying to like book meetings with customers, you know, maybe once a month or maybe even once a quarter, just enough for me to just have a constant touch base with me to the customer on a meeting so I could see their face and create a relationship without like having the sales team be the middleman on those um, those conversations and providing their own bias and their own like reasons why a person said some of this stuff. So I wish I would just do a little more work on my end, like trying to just get raw feedback from customers. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, I think when I was in-house, you have so much more access to your subject matter experts and your customers and just like other people in the industry. And I don't think I was aware of like just how much I was absorbing Mm -hmm. and how much I like took with me. That was just like internal knowledge I had about my industry that I never really like documented in a meaningful way. I didn't like if I would have been even like 10% more intentional about gathering that information and writing it down, like just think of I think of like where my understanding would have been like it would have been a step above where it was um, just w- with what you get naturally being in house. Yeah. Cause like, I, I don't know if you felt this way, but it just seems like if you get good customer interviews, it makes everything else in the process as you of, of creating marketing collateral and content and campaigns so much more easy, right? Like you hear a customer talk about their pain points and it's like, Oh man, that's just like, gives me like three ideas for content, which leads me to have like nine ideas for a campaign you know, on paid social and with all those conversations, you're kind of just like shooting from the hip and like, like not making very good ideas, but having those conversations with customers, documenting them, rereading them, like kind of just helps it ingrain into your thought process for that client. This is what their customers are going through. And this is how we need to talk to them. It's just, it's like, it's such a, uh, accelerant for your marketing. And I know we talk about a lot here at Gorilla, but I, I, I don't think I'll ever stop saying that now. Like I've just seen how important it is. Mm -hmm. Well, and that is like 
what we're talking about right now is the aha moment that leads to like really important specific aha moments in your marketing plan. And I think that's what like drives it is like, I think if you're not intentional about getting those insights yourself, you're really reliant on like what sales is telling you, what, what the product team is telling you. And not that they're incorrect. Like they're probably right. Like they're giving you good insights, but they have like different perspectives on all this than you do as a marketer. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a point worth beating to death. I think. Um, Aaron, what's your next one? My next one. um, Just the idea of um, launching something without it being perfect. Oh yeah. This is a big one that I think we've started talking about a lot recently um, as as people at, at Gorilla. Um, but just like, just because something isn't perfect doesn't mean that it's bad. Yeah. It's just the simplest version of like a campaign or like an article or web page or something that's going to get you real world feedback. Um, if you spend six months spinning your wheels and trying to create like the perfect ads, you, you're not going to get results um, because it's just going to sit in your own brain and yep. be in this like, feedback cycle that, you know, is not your customers. It's your leadership team. I see two issues with the thought of trying to like get to perfect. Yeah. And like you said, Aaron, like you can spend six months trying to write the perfect article and then, you know, trying to make the perfect campaign, but you like miss out on two very important things. The first one is just time. Like you're never going to get those six months back. You're never going to get those six months back where that campaign could have been live and you could have been getting your, your minimally viable message out into the into your audience right so that is your most valuable resource is time obviously money is important but not getting a message out means that you just did a market for six months and you didn't do anything to drive real results so even a simple message that is told in a in a in a nice way will help you get to better results instead of like the most perfect thing where you can only run it for a couple months because you ran out of time this year so that's the first mm-hmm. thing and then you could do i think we just kind of talked about how important customer interviews are, but you don't never really know how those insights you get out of customer interviews will translate into campaigns or into content. And you need to like do some like kind of, you know, have campaigns kind of do two things for you, right? Where it's like telling the story about your company to build high intent leads and pipeline. But there's also like some of this marketing research, right? Where like, which of these messages is resonating with my audience? Like what copy works? What images work? What types of design works? Like, yeah, what, you know, what video content is really like moving the needle on things. And I I think getting something out into the audience early and start campaigns so you can start learning what the audience is engaging with. I think this stuff is really important. That's to me how you get to a perfect, like a perfect ad. If you can never get to a perfect ad, Um, you just, I don't think you're ever going to get there just like noodling in your own head. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think it makes sense for us to go and like do big focus groups and like work with people that way to like get a really high quality ad. I think it's just just get something out into the marketplace and just see how people respond to it. The nice thing is like people are going to forget that thing in a week anyways. Like I, I don't think the ad recall time is ever as long as we think it's going to be. Um, so that's yeah. that's kind of where my thought is on those things. Like just don't waste the time. And then you want to just get learnings early. Because mm-hmm. like that's another thing that's different about like agency life versus being in house. Like I remember when I was in house, like timelines and deadlines were never like 
that strict. I mean, obviously if you're planning for a show like that had very strict deadlines, but like a paid social campaign, like you could get it out tomorrow. You could get it out next month. And that's such like small potatoes for your leadership team. Um, That's not something you're probably being aggressively held accountable for. Um, But like in agency life, I mean, that's client retention. None of our clients would want to work with us if it took six months for us to even launch a single campaign. And I think if you kind of treat yourself like you are, um, I don't know, you're working in an Like you're the consultant. You're a consultant that is trying to keep the business, right? And I mean, there is some of that thing too is like, uh, do you want to get that promotion? Do you want to get that raise? Like, this is kind of like some of those stuff, like you have to hold yourself accountable and show that you bring value to the business by doing things like this and keeping yourself accountable like you would if you were in an agency. Yeah. I think if I were to go back, I would, I would just prioritize speed a lot more and I'd be better equipped to explain the benefits of that to leadership because sometimes what holds us back from acting quickly and getting out, you know, an MVP campaign is not that we're not holding ourselves accountable. It's because sales wants to review it and C-suite wants to review it and your boss wants to review it. Um, But if you can explain like why it's so important to like get these insights out in front of your audience quickly, and if you can explain like, hey, these ads aren't forever, like I'm going to rotate in something new, like every four to six weeks, like that can get people on board. So you just get more like trust and buy-in to be able to like iterate as you go. That feedback piece is difficult for us in the client or in the in the agency world as well, right? Because we do rely on our clients mm-hmm. to be that subject matter expert for the technical language that we um, have a hard time, like sometimes nailing down for each of the industries that we work with. So um, we we do have to play that game with the clients. Like, all right, you know, we do want to keep speed top of mind, so we need you to get in there and review some ads. <laughs> yeah, it's always there's always a trade off. Yeah, really. there is, but. Brendan, what's another one of your aha moments? Yeah, um, I, I it's kind of like kind of piggybacks off of like how how important customer interviews are. But I think like really really well thought out foundation work like positioning and product messaging is another like key piece to getting to campaigns that are quick but also effective. Um, you know, if you have a really strong positioning statement or one sheeter or whatever the framework is that you use, it's a lot easier to use that work to then, you know, be the inspiration for campaigns, right? Like mm-hmm. we use April Dunford's obviously awesome positioning framework here at Gorilla. And the way that, you know, April kind of talks about positioning is through, you know, differentiated features that lead to differentiated value in the context of who the competitive alternatives are. Well, man, like I can write so much pieces of content and so many campaigns based on those three things. Um, without that strong positioning, I feel like I'm kind of swinging in the dark on a lot of that stuff. Um, and it's like it goes with the same thing, like like having really strong, solid product messaging or service messaging on what your service is, what capabilities you have, why you know which capabilities are different, and like what the benefit and the value is of those. Just really makes it so you can write some really strong content because you know. Me and Aaron, you know, we both look at a lot of campaigns, a lot of websites. We see a lot of stuff on paid social and a lot of it's pretty weak. Like, I, I, you know, Aaron, I, have you like 
when you were in-house, did you like kind of rifle through the paid, the, the journals, like the trade journals and all that? Do you ever read any of those? Here and there. I liked their newsletters sometimes to stay yeah. up to date, but. I read a lot of the magazine. Well, I didn't read. I skimmed a lot of the magazines, mostly looking at ads. And it's a lot of garbage. You know, it's a lot of like, here's a picture of our thing. And then here's like six bullet points on what our thing is. I was like, oh, man, that didn't really tell me anything about why I should like pick up the phone and call you. Um, so I think like having that really strong positioning and messaging really helps you provide a reason to your audience on why they should pick up the phone and call you or fill out your contact form. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just it gets you to speed a lot faster. You know, it, you can use those positioning um, and messaging like workshops or, you know, deliverables as a way to get buy-in from the rest of the team, right? From your boss, from sales, from, you know, leadership, from everybody in the company. If everyone agrees on your base foundational work, it is so much easier for you then to go in and say like, well, I just, I wrote a campaign that basically just copies all my words from positioning. And it's like, well, you can't argue with that. So now, now we could start getting campaigns out, you know, every six weeks and being on top of things. I think without that, that framework, it's really difficult to go and and to do that because uh, you're always trying to like come up with something new. So to me, the positioning helps you get into that process land where I have my set messaging and now I can start creating some unique campaigns based off of that messaging. So if I were to go back in time, it would be to find a framework that I like, build it out and then use that always when I'm getting ready to create campaigns. Yeah. And I think that type of work, like when I think about the impact that that would have had, if I, as a young marketer, were like, I'm going to take the initiative and like lead this project for our company and it's going to have an impact. Like, I feel like that's something that like would have gotten me promoted or at least would have gotten me um, a lot of really positive attention from leadership. Because when I work with clients at Gorilla, like that's the type of work where like I see a light bulb go off and it's like, you guys get our business, you get our vision, our strategy. Like that's when I feel like we get a lot of trust. Like, oh, we can, we're actually going to grow because of this. And like, as an in-house marketer, you would have the same effect. And that's just really powerful. Yeah. I love that, Aaron. It's like, oh, one of the first like trust building exercises that you can do with the team to really show that, you know, what you're doing as a marketer, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. I love positioning. Um, it's to me like it is probably. I'm, I'm just gonna say like it, to me, it is the most important part of marketing. Um, is like just having that really strong messaging on who your company is and what you do and why it matters. It's yeah. it's huge. April Dunford changed my life. Yeah, she really did. <laughs> She's not the only framework out there, but she. I think yeah. the way that she wrote hers um, just made it so clear on. A, how to do it, and B, why it's so important. There's a, a ton of other ones out there, right? You can go back to the old, like, the Trout style positioning statement, and there's, like, the positioning diamond and the brand ladder. I learned a lot of these different frameworks in, in marketing school, but a lot of them are geared towards consumer products. Um, but, you know, I tried to use them in mar- in manufacturing. I found April's to be the most, um, most usable for industrial B2B marketing. Um, the other ones work fine, but it was like, man, just pick one and just work with it and and move yep. forward with with something at least. Mm-hmm. All right, Aaron, what's your next one? Uh, my next one is around reporting. Brendan, I don't know about you, but I feel like reporting was something 
I felt a little bit lost on when I was in house. Yeah. Um, there's so hard. much to report on. There's so much yes. data. And it's like, I didn't, when I was in house, I was like, man, I didn't, I don't know which was really that important. I wasn't like, or I didn't really understand pipeline. Didn't really understand high intent leads, you know, like marketer out here by myself and never really had any mentorship or training. So it's like, I'm just trying to like, I'm flailing, trying to figure this thing out. Um, yeah. So that was like, that was a huge thing. It was like, man, what? And it was like, my boss wasn't like asking for anything specific. So it's like, yeah. oh, I don't know what to that's, give you. <laughs> that's the hard part because it's like, you're trying to learn what leadership wants to see. But also I think what I've learned by being on the agency side. Leadership doesn't know what they want to see. They don't always know. And like you as the marketer, like you should have influence over like what they care about. Yes. Um, That sounds really manipulative, but like it's your strategy. You have like a yep. vision for how we're going to, um, you know, produce more results. And ideally that result, your North Star is to get more quoted opportunities and, and revenue from your programs. Right. Um, And if you keep that as your North Star, like then you can really like shut down rabbit holes. Like if the C-suite is really concerned that like traffic is going down, well, you can yeah. point to that and say like, well, yes, that's probably because of X, Y, Z, but we can see that our high intent leads have actually increased despite that. So we're right. probably just getting a lot more qualified traffic. I can, you know, assume that a lot of our traffic before was maybe just fluff that we yes. didn't need. Yeah. So I feel like that's really empowering. Um, to just kind of like, I don't know, give yourself permission to like set the agenda and be like, I'm only going to report on these three things because that's what matters. And it's yep. probably like high intent leads, um, quoted pipeline, and then like revenue on a quarterly basis. Because right. um, I felt like I had to report on so much more than that. Like if yeah. I only reported on three things, I would have felt like I wasn't doing enough. But I feel like that's more than enough. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think there's a place for other marketing numbers, but maybe those are on a hidden slide or, you know, you keep those in your back pocket um, when somebody wants to like, if a leader wants to like dive in like, well, tell me more about Google ads. All right, well, let's talk about Google ads. Um, and we can do that, but you're right. Like what is the North star? What is the agreed upon goal that we have for 2024? Having that conversation in 2023 very important for you to set the stage right and set the right expectations for your marketing program because sales is doing the same thing right like mm -hmm. sales has these conversations here's our sales goal and that all they talk about is the sales goal right there's some other numbers that go into that but at the end of the day how much money are we making right that's what people care about and so how does a marketer how does your marketing program fit into that mm -hmm. maybe have and a conversation with your vp of sales and get yeah. mm-hmm I also think like another like aha moment that goes along with that is like you should have a reporting story and that's not going to look the same from day one as it does on month 12, you know, like yeah. when you're first starting out on a campaign, like you're not going to get results right away yep. and that's okay. Like you have to look at leading indicators to tell you whether you're on or off track and you won't be able to report like, a 10% spike in pipeline after 30 days of running campaigns. And if you are, that's fantastic. Um, I want to talk to you. But um, yeah, just that you can kind of set expectations for like a timeline to results mm -hmm. without being just like, okay, this is going to take some time. Just give me six months and fingers crossed it works. Like it, it's more of a story than it is just like a checklist, I think, when it comes to reporting. Yeah, a little bit.
Okay. What else you got? Yeah. My next one is just partnering with other business function functions uh, for better marketing. Um, I, I think a lot of times it's really easy to get siloed in and just like, you know, just focused in on what am I doing as a marketer, right? Like, okay, I got to put on these trade shows. I got to write this content. got to get this video done. I got to write this brochure. Sales wants to do this. Maybe take a step back, take a breath, bring in partners. Hey, sales, let's talk about this trade show strategy. What do you want to be the outcome of this uh, event? How do we work together to get this thing accomplished? So it's not just all on me. Um, I want you to have some skin in the game. Oh, okay. Hey, engineering, can we set up a, a meeting once a month for me to talk to one of your um, you know, mechanical engineers for me to really understand our product and for me to ask questions that our customers are asking? Um, mm -hmm. some great content. Um, you know, hey, sales team, can I come out on site with you and visit with a customer, maybe get some pictures of our equipment in the field? Um, you try to do that by yourself and you're probably going to fall flat on your face almost every time. But if you start, you know, working more closely and more strategically with other departments instead of just being like the uh, request for a marketing thing department, uh, I think you're going to get a lot better results out of out of your marketing. And we kind of, you know, we do this like really right. Like, all right, we create a marketing plan. All right. This year, I want to write six pieces of content. Well, for me to do that client, you know, president of company that I'm working with, I need to talk to your engineers to help me write this expert article or, you know, I need you to get me in contact with a customer so I can write this case study, or we need to get some time on the calendar for me to come out and do a product film uh, for our campaigns. And then, you know, hey, uh, business leader, every month you and me are going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation about where marketing's at right now and, you know, go through reporting and then talk about upcoming campaigns. To me, those are strategic discussions and strategic relationships for us to build out a solid marketing function for their business. You can do that in-house too. Don't just be the order taker, be the strategic partner for the revenue team. So you can go out and build really solid campaigns, really solid content, be a really solid partner for sales to go and actually drive revenue. Yeah. I think when I was in-house, like those interactions and relationships were like, the my favorite part of my job um if i had to if i had to say because that's when i learned the most like talking to the like product managers about a new machine that we were trying to run a campaign around like in 30 minutes with them i had more ideas than i could have gotten like sitting yeah. and thinking about it for 2 hours by myself um and i think like a company culture that kind of fosters those connections is really important like it was part of my onboarding to like meet with all the different product managers. And I feel like just something small like that makes a huge difference um, in your ideas, your strategy as marketer. Yeah. yeah, totally. I think this starts at the beginning, right? As you're creating the marketing plan, get buy-in from the engineering team. Be like, hey, I want you to know I'm going to write six pieces of content this year. I need your help. When can we schedule time in the next six months for us to do that, right? Because I know the engineering team gets busy, but if we can get time on the calendar, it makes it a lot easier for us to, to make sure we have those conversations. So include the other functions into the marketing strategy, right? Because like to me, the marketing strategy is not the uh, 
you know, marketing doesn't own the marketing strategy. I think the marketing strategy is a business strategy that leadership mm-hmm. is the owner of. And we are just the um, proponent of, and we're the ones that, you know, help to execute it. But I think the marketing strategy lives at the leadership level. So you need to get buy-in from the leadership team and then from the other business functions to all of us be pointed in the right direction on marketing. Because um, like, why why does it matter if we're doing all this engineering work if we're not going to tell anybody about it, right? Yep. Like we should have that conversation with the mechanical and the electrical engineers and the designers. Hey, tell me about what you're doing so that I can tell other people about what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. You have any more, Aaron? I mean, I feel like this is a good one to end on, but when I worked in-house, I didn't talk to other marketers a lot. Yeah. Like I was technically part of IML, but I wasn't super active. Like I didn't take enough advantage of that. I wasn't like reaching out to my peers on LinkedIn. Um, you know, my boss was a great mentor to me and I learned a lot from her, but I didn't have like any other sort of mentor in the industry outside of my company. And I feel like that stuff like would have helped me a lot when I was in-house. Yeah. Um, it's something I've done more now that I'm on the agency side. Like it's just, I mean, people in agencies are always trying to connect with each other. Like it just happens more often. But I think if I were to go back in-house, like I would take that same mentality with me. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. There, like I can like look back on my my like 10-year career in marketing and I could see like the growth. As soon as I started to make building relationships with other marketers a a priority, like it just like exponential skyrocketing growth uh, in like my ability to understand marketing and my ability to talk about marketing. I wouldn't be able to do this podcast three years ago, right when yeah. I was in house. Now I can. I feel a lot more comfortable, and I have. I feel like I have a, a lot better understanding of of marketing where I can have these conversations with you and you know provide value to the industrial marketing life community. So, yeah, and and I see it like, you know, inside of like our IML Slack. Oh, by the way, we have a Slack community where you can connect with a bunch of other marketers and do this yourself. Um, there's like 300 of us in there. There's just like there's a wealth of knowledge there. And I just see like a ton of growth happening with marketers that have been a part of IML for the last year or two. And it's like it's really fun to see like the conversations that everyone has in there and yeah, it's just there. there's something that unlocks when you start communicating about the stuff with other people. Um, yeah, as soon as I started following Matt Chanella, um, you know, and other folks here at Gorilla, it's like, oh, man, there is an actual better way to do this instead of me just flailing around. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned of any of this without connecting with other marketers. Um, like, especially like in industrial, there's no other marketing people usually at the company that yep. you work. I never worked with another marketer until I came to Gorilla. I guess like when I was at Graco, but those were product guys, you know, former engineers or former like tech support folks. Uh, my boss was a marketer, but he focused more on sales. Um, but like to like for modern digital marketing, I didn't learn any of that until I came to Gorilla, really. Um, or, you know, I was listening to like, you know, their fine labs folks and Chris Walker and all that, you know, before I came to Gorilla. But it's like, man, once you start like connecting with people like that or like a person like Matt Chanella or Grace Wright or Mary Keogh, it's like, man. There's some really smart cookies in this in this field, and I want mm-hmm. to be them so that I can learn from them and I can steal, so I steal everything from Mary. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, and I also feel like it just makes your job more fun. Yeah, right. Like it's it's so fun to like geek out on this stuff with other people who just like get it. 
Um, maybe they're in a slightly different company or industry than you are, and they have a slightly different perspective and you kind of debate things like, I don't know. It's just what makes me happy when I think yeah. of marketing. Oh, I love that. Oh. Well, Brendan, did you have any other aha moments you wanted to share or, or final thoughts? No, I, uh, I think that, uh, I think that covers the the big ones for me and you had a great list too, Aaron. Um, I, I, I was, I told you before I started recording that I basically was like nodding along with everything that you were, you were saying, uh, in our prep documents. So, um, I think you, me, like, so it kind of seems like most people in industrial or in industrial marketing in-house have a very similar background as the two mm -hmm. of us. Cause like we basically, it feels like we have the same career. And like, I know, like I've had a lot of conversations with Mary Keogh. You know, I think she would say almost the same exact thing on on this stuff too. Uh, she probably just say it in a lot spicier way. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, this was this is a good conversation. I don't have any anything else on the uh, aha moments at least. Cool. Well, we talked about a few different things today: um, process improvement, the idea of ditching perfection, and you know, going for function, um, how to tell a reporting story and think about that a little bit differently. Yeah. Customer um, interviews, the importance of positioning and messaging. All that good stuff. All that good stuff. Cool. Well, as Brendan mentioned, uh, Industrial Marketing Live exists. It's a great way to connect with other industrial marketers. The live show happens the first and third Thursday of every month at 10 a.m. Central. Um, got some really good uh, topics coming up for this year. And that's really fun. Like just the chat alone, lots of jokes, um, lots of good questions. Um, and then that party continues in our Slack channel, which like Brendan said, I think we have like close to 300, around 300 people in there. Um, really big community of great folks who um, ask and, and answer each other's marketing questions. Yeah. So to get up, to become a part of that community, just go to industrialmarketinglive.com to register for the live event. Um, if you can't make the Thursday at 10 o'clock, that's okay because we'll send the recordings out afterwards. Uh, they also go live on YouTube and you catch them here on the Manufacturing Market as well. Then if you want access to the Slack community, just reach out to me or Aaron at our Gorilla emails or on LinkedIn. Uh, send us a DM and we will get you an invite. And then I have one last piece of news. I actually got called up. I'm going on military leave. Uh, with the Army National Guard for the rest of 2024. Uh, so this will be my last episode of The Manufacturing Marketer for this year. Uh, I'm coming back to Gorilla 76. I'm coming back to TMM uh, next year in January of 2025. So Erin will be taking the helm, uh, and she's going to be bringing on a lot of good guests. I, I think, you know, a lot of, like, solid partners from the Gorilla side. Uh, so we're going to keep this thing going, uh, and I can't wait to uh, get back on live with you again next year, Erin. Yeah. We'll really miss you. Yeah, I'll miss you too. All, All right. right. Thanks, everyone. See you later. Bye.